Hi, and welcome to this podcast brought to you by VJ Oncology. In this episode, we bring you highlights from the ESMO Gynecological Cancers Meeting, featuring insights from three leading experts in the field. First, Marsha Hall of Mount Vernon Cancer Centre in the UK provides an overview of a novel biomarker of response to therapy identified using circulating tumour cells. As I'm sure you're aware, and a lot of the audience are aware, HRD um, is a... good indicator of whether patients with high-grade serous ovarian cancer will respond to platinum-based chemotherapy and or PARP inhibitors. And we believe that around 50% of the population have some deficits in the pathway of homologous recombination of DNA repair. And uh, we have up until now identified that population through um, screening of tissue, which we've taken either at biopsy or at surgery. Uh, And that tissue, the the gold standard is the Myriad test, which looks at genomic instability using a lot of heterozygosity and large uh, translocation events to actually identify a population that may have uh, difficulties in repairing double-stranded DNA breaks. That's quite difficult to do. Uh, There are lots of stumbling blocks. First of all, uh, getting the tissue to the right place. Secondly, making sure that you've got enough tumour in the tissue to extract the relevant DNA. Um, And we found practically that uh, a lot of our patients who have neoadjuvant chemotherapy, we are reliant very much on uh, mental biopsies. And sometimes we don't even get those. We just get an acidic tap with a cell pellet. And sometimes the mental biopsies in the cell pellet have far too little DNA for that assessment to be undertaken. And then the second issue is what changes over time. So we're beginning now to understand that particularly patients with uh, BRCA mutations, you do get some resistance to PARP inhibitors um, where some of them actually restore the ability to repair their DNA and therefore they become uh, resistant to further platinum therapy. And it's quite helpful, I think, for us to understand in a bit more of a real time exactly when this is happening so that we can advise patients about prognosis and potentially look for alternatives Uh, to manage them. Um, So we've been hunting for a long time for a a quicker and easier and perhaps more accurate way of assessing this this group because, again, the other pitfall of the genomic um, assays are that it doesn't seem to quite fit. We still have uh, trials which show us that some of the HRD population don't respond uh, as well as we had thought that they might. An example of this is Paula, where the uh, HRD negative population population absolutely did not have any benefit. And yet in um, Prima uh, and uh, Nova, which is the Narapurib one, the wild type population um, did benefit. So there's clearly some sort of difficulties really honing down on the exact HRD population. So what we've done here is instead of taking tissue, we've taken blood samples and we've just um, so far taken blood samples from uh, patients with advanced ovarian cancer. We know uh, because this is a retrospective series, if you like, we've taken blood obviously at the time, uh, but we know their uh, BRCA germline status, but actually the time that we were doing this work, we weren't uh, funded to undertake the Myriad test. So we do know a few patients HRD status, but the vast majority we don't. So, But we do know 100% of their, their germline status. And what we've been doing is we have isolated, uh, well, not really isolated, we've spun off the red cells and then the cell pellet we put through a fax machine, which tells us that there are lots of uh, cancerous 
associated cells. So these are cells that have um, CK7 on the surface. They do not have CD45, so they're not white blood cells. They have nuclei and they also uh, express WT1, which is a significant hallmark of high-grade serous cancer. So identifying those cells that are WT1 positive, PCK positive, CD45 negative, we've then put them under like a microscopy and stained for RAD51 foci. Now, RAD51 is a key component of the DNA repair um, process. Uh, there are lots of other proteins that are involved in it, but RAD51 certainly has uh, associations with both of the BRCA uh, proteins. And um, it seems to form when you have uh, good DNA repair via the homologous recombination pathway. So we were looking for RAD51 foci and we were expecting to find them in uh, patients who uh, were BRCA wild type, um, perhaps not quite so many of them if they had homologous repair deficiency because they clearly couldn't repair as well. Uh, and certainly we found in our group, um, the eight patients with B BRCA mutations had no RAD51 foci at all. So that fitted with all of our um, hypotheses. And we then looked at the RAD51 foci in these patients um, and looked at the outcome of the patients, so the progression-free survival. And what we've shown from this study is that uh, the numbers of RAD51 foci uh, at baseline, so prior to any treatment, um, seemed to correlate with the progression-free survival. Um, so if you had lots of RAD51 foci, your progression-free survival was not as good as if you had few RAD51 foci. So in other words, you are identifying a population of patients who are less able or unable to repair their DNA via the homologous recombination pathway. And what we're hoping is that if we can scale this up, uh, we will then actually be able to identify these patients in real time so that we can take more blood at certain time points and show or not show, depending on the situation, that maybe their uh, ability to repair DNA has changed. But certainly those that have the significant numbers of RAD51 foci have poorer outcomes, which is, I think, what we would expect. Next, Eric Puget-Lorraine of Hotel Dieu Hospital in Paris discusses the importance of patient selection in ovarian cancer, highlighting the updated findings from Paola 1, which evaluated maintenance elaparib plus bevacizumab. Well, ASMO G1 2023 is a great event and our many presentations were around the question how of how to best select the ovarian cancer patients uh, who could benefit from PAP inhibitor. Well, for that, uh, we went deeper uh, into uh, the clinical and biological point of view within the Paola 1 first-line trial, which randomized uh, a bit more than 800 patients uh, to receive either bevacizumab plus placebo or bevacizumab plus olaparib during two years. And those uh, patients uh, treated with Olapib had a significant PFS and OS uh, benefit when the tumor presented a deficit of DNA homologous recombination called HRD positive, as seen with uh, BRCA mutation, but not only. And uh, in this uh, oral presentation, uh, Antonio Gonzalez from JCO addressed the question whether, whether some patients could be cured with the addition of uh, olaparib. Uh, 
Well, if we take the absence of relapse at five years as a surrogate of cure, which might be true for most of the patients with high-grade ovarian cancer, well, we have observed indeed that half of the patients with BRCA mutation treated with olaparib did not relapse at five years versus twice less in the placebo arm, 25%. And this is also observed in the patients without BRCA mutation, but with a positive HRD test, 41% still not relapsing in the olaparib arm versus only 15% in the placebo arm at five years. And there is no benefit in the HRD negative group. In the HRD group, Dominical also showed that the best results were obtained in the patients who had a complete surgical resection at upfront surgery, whose overall survival at five years is 88% when treated with Olapai plus BEV, which is just astonishing in the field of ovarian cancer. In front of these uh, spectacular results from PARP inhibitor in first-line ovarian cancer, well, the question is how to detect HRD. And the reference test is the HRD MyChoice uh, CDX from Myriad. But following a European initiative, a certain number of academic or industry lab were able at least to match the Myriad test and now are available. And two of the 10 new tested tests from the Paula sample, tested in the Paula sample, are presented during this Congress, both of them using shallow wall genome sequencing, one from the Institute Curie and the other from the Industry Sec one, presented by Dr. Boado from Dijon. So these are fantastic advance in the field of ovarian cancer. Finally, Mansour Marazza Merza at Riggs Hospitaler in Copenhagen, Denmark, shares his insights on the emerging treatment landscape of endometrial cancer, including immunotherapy, the potential of combination therapies and personalized medicine. This is a great meeting with very strong scientific agenda. Uh, I had privilege to talk about uh, the of targeted therapy in uh, endometrial cancer beyond uh, immune therapy. Um, as you may know that uh, endometrial cancer is complete, the management of endometrial cancer is changing completely after we have seen the DCGA data. Uh, we are trying to plan clinical trials according to the molecular uh, sub uh, groups uh, because of the, the different targets which we are which are uh, trackable. Uh, some examples are typically HER2 uh, uh, amplification and uh, or RP53 wild type disease, RP53 mute disease, or PIK3CA, the mTOR inhibitors. All these trials are. Uh, underway, some of the some of these drugs are already in phase three, and we would uh, have outcome of these trials. And if positive, we will be changing the landscape of management of our patients. And some of the 
some of these uh, uh, targets are uh, or uh, trials are in early stage, so it will take more time. Uh, also, the oldest targeted therapy, hormonal therapy, is getting a new renaissance by um, adding um, adding uh, CDK4-6 inhibitors. Uh, and we have already shown the proof of concept with a smaller randomized trial, the, the NGOT uh, EM3 paleo study. And now we are starting a phase three trial, which will give us new standard of care in that population as well. So as you uh, can see that we have completely completely uh, changed the way we think about endometrial cancer from type 1 and type 2 disease uh, to uh, a molecular classified disease with a multiple druggable targets which we can test and go further and treat our patients accordingly so we are privileged that we are you know in that time where we are really changing the outcome of our patients Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more episodes on the latest updates in oncology, subscribe to VJ Oncology on your favourite podcast app, including Apple, Spotify and Podbean. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and don't forget to visit vjoncology.com for the latest updates in the field.